I tend to see patterns of failure where perhaps they shouldn't exist. Like if a book doesn't sell or if I fail to sell a script or something, I'll think, well, of course, because this other thing I did wasn't very good either. And actually here are 18 examples of ways in which I failed. And and that is the same with everything. It gets better because it has to get better. We're all made of human. Welcome to the Made of Human podcast. I'm Sophie Hagen. I'm your host. I'm your tired host. I am uh, under my duvet at home trying to be a bit quiet because my housemate says that he can uh, sleep through uh, like an earthquake. Uh, at, but I'm not sure. Um, he Because he's British, so he might just be trying to be nice. Um, he could be right now just throwing himself into bed crying because he can't sleep because of my voice. But, you know, British would never admit it. Um, so I'm trying to be a bit quiet. I'm also trying to... I'm going to try and do this briefly because uh, I need to sleep. I'm traveling tomorrow and uh, very early. So, But I want you to have this uh, second part of this Mark Watson uh, Mopad. Remember to read the trigger warnings just in case there's something that we go we go quite deep and, um, well, I mean, not uncomfortably deep, but we mentioned some things and I'm just ever so grateful for, well, for Mark in general, but also for him doing this, uh, this episode with me. I hope uh, that you have enjoyed it so far. Um, I quickly want to say, a few things. Remember to go and see Mark Watson. He's going to be on tour soon. Go to his website, sign up for his newsletter. Um, Mopart is doing live episodes. We will be at the Soho Theatre in London in July, at McCundleth Comedy Festival, and at the Brighton Fringe Festival. Go to the websites of Soho Theatre, McCundleth Festival, or the Brighton Fringe to uh, get tickets. I'm going to put it on the Mopart website at some point which is madeofhumanpodcast.com or mopod.com. And you can also sign up for the newsletter there to be notified of whenever else we do live episodes. You can buy my show, uh, my last show, Shima Shatter, which is about being an introvert and not liking people. You can buy that on sophiehagen.com forward slash shop for just five pounds. And it's filmed in front of Mopod listeners. And I love it. My uh, most recent show is uh, coming up relatively soon as well you can buy that soon which i also filmed in front of mopadas and it was wonderful i'm gonna do this week's um act of disobedience so each week i have a listener who has sent me in an act of disobedience if you want to do this you can go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and click act of disobedience and you can send me yours it's when you have stood up to someone you know you've stuck it to the man um in this episode we have shabs And I will read you what Shabs said. My act of disobedience is very small, but massively important, to me at least. Last week, while on my way to work, while on my way to work the night shift, on a very packed bus, a man sat next to me, sat next to me, a bald, fat scouse woman, and proceeded to stare. And as if it wasn't coarse enough for an eye roll, I could feel his leg actually pushing against mine to give him more space. Man, his balls must have been huge to need to take up my space too. So I pushed back. He was now looking at my legs in disgust, probably wondering in disbelief how something so weak could keep him keep him in his place. Little did he know that years of horse riding gives you thighs that could crack a human skull. <laughs> it didn't take him long to get up and stand for the rest of the journey, and I got the and I got to ride the bus comfortably, taking up the space that belongs to me. 
Oh, doesn't that just fill you with fucking joy? Does, isn't that just wonderful? Thank you so much, Shabs. That's exactly what I needed to read. You can go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and uh, give, send me your act of, um, act of disobedience. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, was there more thing I had to warn you about in the beginning? No, I think by the time you read this, with if everything goes according to plan, I uh, read this, listen to this, listen. I'm so. Is it unprofessional that I do these when I'm tired? I don't have other, I don't have any choice. I don't have any choice. If I could have done this when I was wide awake, was I ever wide awake? Not not today. Um, also, I'm recording this right after I've recorded the intro for the f- for last week's episode, so it's not like I'm just constantly tired. I'm also constantly tired, but. There's a reason why I'm, t- I'm even more... T- yeah. Anyways, listen, don't mind me. I just um, want you to enjoy uh, this episode with Mark. I'm- I can't stress enough how important Mark is to me. He... You know when they say, don't meet your heroes. You know what? Sometimes meet your heroes, uh, become friends with them, make sure they become friends with you as well, hang out with them, cook together. Like... <laughs> It it works out sometimes. It's worth giving it a shot. <laughs> um, yeah, Mark's absolutely amazing. So um, please enjoy this episode, the last part of the second part of the episode. It's Mark Watson. This is not meant as a criticism of either someone like you or or anybody who holds a series of strong views, but because I hold strong views, and oh, and also I defer to you on almost any argument, as you know. <laughs> but I do think sometimes, like at the moment, there's this insult centrist dad, which you see all the time on Twitter, I and seen that. associated with that is a, well, actually, it means a slightly different thing. Centrist, it's, it's dad. centrist dad. It mocks a, a certain type of man who it's easier to Google it probably, but <laughs> like in general, centrism is. Um, Gets it is uses an insult almost all the time. There's this idea that if you describe either your politics or your social um, opinions as centrist or in any way, oh, is that like the people who are like, oh, I can see both points. Yeah, like people like that get a lot of shit. People who say, "Well, Nazis have some points." Yeah, that's why. That's why (laughs) because um, there are obviously quite a lot of moral absolutes about which it is not appropriate to be centrist. It is appropriate to be absolutist. But sometimes people think that unless you are radically one way or the other in an argument, you just don't have an opinion at all. Politics is a good example because people talk so uh, people are so used to talking in terms of left and right wing. Um, it's assumed that you more or less have to take either one of those positions on every single debate. But isn't that the thing uh, of that? There's no way of being like you can't really be neutral when someone's actively being oppressed. Yes. And, but for example, uh, in the so in the case of someone that's actively being oppressed, you would say that the um, the traditional left regards it as its duty to look after those people. The mm. traditional right sees it as just a sort of Darwinian thing where those people will be criminal. But all the time, the political left ignores terrible injustices, and sometimes people figures on the political right do good stuff. So. For a start, I have a problem with the... the I mean, I'm a left-wing voter, and broadly speaking, I vote... I support the Labour Party and... But every day we see examples of awful individuals within 
the Labour Party. So there's already a problem with the idea of left versus right. Basically. Oh, so, okay. Well, that okay. Mm. So that's the, the so there's a difference again between. I guess, left-wing values and then actual left-wing politics <clears throat> of what is happening in the world. Yes. Because yeah. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know too little about like British politics, so I'm actually not really sure about it. But, but I think the values, you know, I think I'm extreme left in terms of values, but I don't actually know what's happening no, that I, much. I, well, yeah, that's an, there's another there's thing, so of course. There's so much of it today is happening via movement and uh, yeah. you know, Twitter and pressure, social justice warriors uh, you know activism and stuff because we only get to actually vote every fourth year yes that's true and that's but like even then there's a there's a problem where different types of extremism um tend to invert themselves into their opposite so like stalin is the most extreme version of left you, you'll ever hear about but of course famously killed 20 million people because his commitment to supposedly left-wing ideals was so great that he couldn't run the country with that. And that's the problem. Quite a lot of history's most terrible figures have regarded themselves as left-wing to the point where they've become actual fascists, the opposite. And that's a simplification of political history. But it, again, Mao is another example. There are plenty of... There are plenty of uh, everybody knows there are plenty of figures from history's left who have been some of history's greatest um, mass murderers. And that's not to say that left-wing values in their purest form aren't good, of course. Just that, if people become too attached to the idea of a society that is brutally polarised like that, then you've got a problem because people will then entrench their positions so so much that they hardly even think about what their values are anymore. They're just fighting for a party. Or It's why it infuriates me that our political system essentially is the blue team against the red team because there are times when the Conservatives... Um, who I do not support, propose what look like pretty sensible policies to me and Labour automatically oppose it just because that's their job to do that. And so our political system gets almost nothing done, in my opinion, because of this oh, ancient system of... Oh, it like, doesn't work. Um, the political system, especially in Britain. It doesn't, doesn't work. work. And well, I, I, I believe I mean, there are loads of reasons Denmark, why. Yeah, I, I, so this is why I think. I think one of the reasons why modern political systems are so dysfunctional is because they tend to be this team versus that team, mm. and I don't believe that is a good way of making decisions. Who can make proper memes and social media videos? And yeah, and like, which it's, is uh, it's a progression of the same thing, so basically. Tiring. It's like, oh, yeah. they've got a good meme, so we better have one. Yeah. And like, it's yeah, it's fucking infantile as well. Like, they've set this thing up, so we better set our one up. I'm not saying that. Of course, it is not as simple as politics ought to be everyone just all getting along and stuff. The whole the whole uh, essence of politics is the competition of forces and ideologies. But no political system has to be so polarised that it's just this bunch of guys against that bunch of guys and then Team A does everything possible to stop Team B. Because that when that happens, even if what one regards as the good guys get in, say, Obama's government, then they're simply stopped from doing everything over and over again because... Team A just mobilise against that. A party political system with two teams essentially means that one team will always try and wreck mm. the other team's plans wherever possible. And is that a way to govern a country or world? I don't believe so. And that is, <laughs> um, again, I'm not saying we shouldn't have pressure group. None of this is to say that there shouldn't be, like, and I, I totally accept my privilege as well. So I'm not saying there should be less protest or less anger or anything. Far from it. I just think that it's, 
really easy to dismiss people who veer towards the middle ground on arguments like me as just being too weak to take one point of view or another. The truth is, I don't think of it as weakness. Well, a lot, or cowardliness, or just, or just, but it's not purely. I don't think it is a function of privilege because. I mean, some of it is, yeah. If I took the position, if, if, I was, if we were talking about women being oppressed in the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, and I was like, yeah, but on the other hand, that would be a privileged response. But if we're discussing, uh, say, a philosophical question, like, um, and you have to take some money out of it, because as soon as it becomes about whether some people have more than others, then, mm. then fine, then it's a privileged issue. But there are... There are dozens of questions. I probably won't be able to think of a satisfying enough example, but there, you know, the existence of God perhaps is a good example. The ultimate philosophical question, um, like, or, or the existence of actually even God is a fiddly one. The existence of um, intelligent life beyond our planet is a good example of like a, aliens. Yeah, like aliens. Um, the, the the possibility of life existing yeah. anywhere else in the universe is, a, I think, a good example of a question on which. You could have an extreme standpoint one way or the other. Like plenty Can't of people. Can't wait for you to put porn into this in some way. Okay, the existence of other life forms intelligent enough to have porn there and horny go, enough you. to have porn. <laughs> the existence of alien porn somewhere in the universe, <laughs> like for people to be, uh, for other people to have a form of wanking, like um, is well, I don't even know if they're people. Um, it's it's. It's an example of a question that, that you, you, there'll be people that say, well, there have to be, there's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah. And there'll be people that say, there's no, there's, way. Just, there's no way. And neither of those positions makes any sense because the question is far, far bigger than it is okay. within well, you our... you know we agree on that one. Yeah. So I would say there are, there are that, I've used that as an extreme everything example. Everything has layers and everything Yes, has I would say that with the exception of, the, of course, there, there, are, there are moral codes which mean that there are some questions that do not have layers, like is it fine um, to kill someone, oppress them, take their stuff. But there, beneath that, there are an enormous number of questions, I would say, that, that have layers. And the more instinctively you come to a yes or no answer, the more likely it is that you'll overlook uh loads of the basically questions are far more complex on the whole than than the level of public discussion gives space for if you watch mm. something like question time the format of it is should we raise this tax to to uh raise money for hospitals or something and every person has to give essentially a 30 second answer then they get a clap then they move on well, that's and, this becomes a is popularist the right yeah well populist word, yeah populist and see like that's that's TV. It has to be ding ding ding. It has to be uh, Mr. and Mrs. from down the road watching it, and that's right. Have to be able to understand it, and that's why. What's it called? This kind of democracy in English, when it's the way we this type of democracy. Uh, like a popular. Oh, you mean so it's a not liberal direct, democracy? It's not direct democracy. It's like another. You mean a democracy that's uh, voted representative, on? Representative, representative yeah, democracy yeah, yeah. is the phrase you're looking for. Doesn't yes, work. because yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because then, it ha- because then it has to appeal. The politicians cannot really do that job, can they? Because they, their job is incredibly complicated. Essentially, no, they now can't. Now they have to be on Twitter all the time because Mr. and Mrs. Whatever, who have not read uh, politics and at uni, they don't understand what's actually happening. They're not that interested even in the question of what's happening. Oh, yeah, no, they just know what they think their it's opinion is. It's just a is. drama thing on the cover of some magazine with some woman yes. about a purse or whatever, and now they have to vote. And they don't know what's happening because all we know is who has the best meme. Yeah. 
So exactly. Maybe fascism is the right. Well, at least then everyone gets told what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just vote for me as your fascist leader. Basically, I think. Um, yeah, this would this could just be a long-winded pitch for us to take over to so. assume because between us, what we've essentially said is that it isn't possible to make any democratic decisions at all. But, but we also we know the right answers and how to do things. Yeah, and we alone know those answers, alone, which is a lot like how people talk when they're about to uh, enact a military coup and assume control yeah, of the country. Yeah, we're, we're the good guys, though. That's, That's the thing. Is that also what they say? Yeah, oh, they actually they tend to be very good okay. at looking like the good guys. There's not normally two of them, and it's not normally a man and a woman working together, though. So that's a new cool. spin on it, isn't it? Yeah. Like a d- double dictator. Coming. Yeah, if you're going to have a dictator, at least have two of them. Sounds, and, like, a, like, sounds like a sitcom we need to start writing. Double dictators. The double dictator. Yeah. 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 Mr. and Mrs. Dictator. She was angry. He was calm. They were double dictators. <laughs> Can I ask you a silly question before I ask you a serious question? Yeah. Also, I've got a thought, Ooh. which is it's now very dark in this room. I know. Uh, do you reckon I, was... I could go over there and put the light yes, on without do. disturbing the flow of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, you can, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare this silly question. In, in the time we've been doing this, night has begun it, it to has fall. Been, yeah. I was considering asking you to go and do it. Um, I think it's going to make a difference to the way we feel. Oh my like, god, it's so light! No, no, light, no, no! Shut oh, you like it? You like, oh, I like you like, it. you like a lot of light. Don't yeah, you? because uh, my mom doesn't, so her house is always really, really dark. Yeah. So I crave light. Yeah. Uh, same with heat. Um, yes, you. You very often. I mean, I'm the same. I, I'm. Yeah. I certainly crave heat in particular. Yes. But you're not too fond of light. <laughs> no, dark, all darkness for me. I resent the fact the sun ever comes up. No, I'm actually the same with light. I'm quite yeah. dependent on the sun. I'm one of these people who gets very gloomy when in mm. the winter months when it's too dark. And also, actually, I'm the same as you, I think. In a house, I will tend to have the lights up mm. fairly full blast. And then someone, the sort of person that's into moody lighting, uh, like mm. my girlfriend, will, or actually anyone with any taste like her, will come <laughs> in and say, why are, you, why are there 28 lights on like this? And yeah, the sort of lights you get in hotels where... The lights oh. point at the wall and there are yeah. little pools of light. Everything looks really pretty. It's not the sort of decisions a normal no, you just uh, want to sleep a person would make. Yeah, I got one of those uh, uh, SAD lights. Yeah, I have one of those for like my for my main lamp in my room. Oh, as a main lamp. Yeah, yeah. So That's like when a, I turn yeah. on the light in the morning, it's just white. Like the whole room is. Is like that still hospital how your, light, your room is now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even in not not even in the darkest month just generally that's your oh, yeah, always. your default light so is an light. sad light yeah wow, not, that's not i'm pretty sure on the box it says do not use as a proper light it's really good you wake up and you're awake it's light as hell it's yeah so light. it's so good wow um so the silly question oh, yeah. that i've started um asking people on this podcast now stay with me if you uh were to so, okay so you're in prison oh you're like medium to high level security i think Oh, so I'm I'm properly in prison. Yeah, yeah, you're like yeah. A, a prisoner. Uh, what is the most likely crime that you've committed? Yeah, no, I have heard you ask a couple of yeah. people this, um, but I didn't know whether it was becoming a regular thing. I think I like it so far. It is, but I'm waiting for someone to call me out on it being extremely problematic. Uh, well, you. I mean, but let's play the game. You're the one I wait to call me out and stuff. So <laughs> it's not going to be me. The, the oh, roles um. won't be reversed now. No, I don't think it's. Probably. I probably is, but... I oh, okay, really anyway, we're doing it, we're doing it. I really want to know the answer. Well, I think... There's so many different things. Interesting one. See, I don't have a lot of... Arson? Yeah, definitely not arson. <laughs> it can't be anything with a technical element. Like, I, do, I don't believe I could start... I've tried to start a fire on the island for about oh, five yeah, fair, days and we couldn't enough. do it. So I don't think I could probably torch a, a bank or something. 
I don't know why I went for bank. It's the last place anyone ever put that. In fact, they're nearly all was, they're always stone buildings. I would, I would be really impressed if you were like, fuck capitalism, I'm going to burn down a I bank. I know you would. I can't burn down a bank just to please you. Although, I don't know. I do do a lot of stuff, I suppose, to try and impress you. So maybe, look, tell me where you want, tell me which shop you want me to talk to and I'll do it. You know what? Do, my, this is not interesting. I called my bank to make an appointment and they said, to so they were like yeah okay you have an appointment so I went in to meet with someone who then set up a time for them to call me and then they called me in order to set up a new appointment so what I'm trying long story short I burned Lloyd's oh right yeah yeah anyways, a couple of I think there's a couple of um, logic steps removed there but basically you, yeah. you would like me to okay yeah it's really annoying um, but not on Friday at four because that's your appointment <laughs> that's my okay, appointment yeah. otherwise I'll have to call you again and say we've been burned down so uh, we need to look at Tuesday Wednesday next week now. Be so annoyed. Yeah. Okay. God, imagine if I burned down the bank. Finally, purely thinking Sophie's going to be impressed because this is I've taken the most extreme political view after everything. But then it turns out it's the one day you want to go to the bank. Last thing you see is my face. Yeah. Behind the window. Yeah, and a text that says "Not like that." Not now. Um. And I think this also extends to, if it was a murder, it wouldn't be a premeditated one. I don't no. think I have the cunning to execute. When, I, when I'm writing a, something which requires someone to be murdered, maybe, which I suppose I've done a couple of times, it takes me a lot of thinking to, they always say that to write like a, a murder type story, you have to plan the perfect murder yourself. And it really is hard, actually. Most ways you can think of, of killing someone, you'd, mind you, in this scenario, I have been caught. That's the point. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm in prison. Um but also, I. In there's the f- also, lo- I mean, yeah, because it's not. You know, well, there's, what, there's the money issue. There's like fraud. Or there's loads, yeah. Tax, um, dark. It's, it's possible I could. Oh, I have an accountant these days. For a long time, when I did my own taxes, that was probably the most like that I'd accidentally <laughs> oh, yeah, mess yeah, my yeah. taxes up. And these days. You don't days, have a car, so there's no like hidden run. I don't have a car. Somebody else does most of the work of my tax and I've got absolutely no intention of lying to them about anything. I, I have no interest in dodging tax either because I think that you should pay tax. Yeah, you talk, <laughs> you talk about that quite a lot, so I wouldn't expect that. Although, having said that, my thing with most laws is you should obey them, so I'm struggling to think what, what I would disobey. Like, if, if it was you, I can imagine you getting caught up in some sort of civil disobedience, like smashing <laughs> up a bank in a riot or something. <laughs> Um, mind you, we're talking about mediums. We're talking about a, a long stretch in jail. It's a very serious crime. So it's not even just like I've gone with you on an anti-capitalist march. No. Even like you, you wouldn't get years. For, you wouldn't get high security for that. No, I think we're more in. I think I'd have to conclude that I might um, kill somebody in self-defence and then be not put enough a strong enough defence up because I'd be overwhelmed by guilt. So say so let, <laughs> mind you who though that's such a Mark Watson answer isn't it like, really yeah I would probably admit to someone else's crime I, 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 I'm tempted to think I, or I would collaborate with someone but then I would take the hit for them that's the sort of bullshit I would get into oh, prison well, for oh well there we go then having said I'm not saying because I'm such a good person I just think basically a lack of moral fibre might encourage me so to so I kill someone meditated and then I'm like be my alibi and then you I'm like oh alright yeah and then <laughs> Basically, catch. Yeah, but would you be accomplished murder? Yeah, I think you would. I don't think. I think you still. I just got to go in this house. Can you wait outside for a bit? It turns out I'm going in. I'm murdering someone, and then you end up being an accomplished murderer. Yeah, yes. The most likely reason I'm in prison probably is I can't say no. I go along with some sort of gang that's murdering people. I'm then too scared to like. Maybe I even get offered a plea bargain where if you admit to it, 
if you shop your mates in, you get away. But I can't bring myself to do that because I, that feels unethical to me. So I basically go to prison for being part of like a, a, some sort of heist that I was only slightly involved in because someone persuaded me to. That's why I would be in prison, for being too yeah. weak-willed to not commit a crime. <laughs> That's the answer. So uh, there's something you said earlier that I want to ask you about. And you've kind of semi-hinted to it uh, throughout the whole podcast. Um, is there a way of... Is there a way that you can talk about, um, I guess, because every time you've described either um, anxiety or depression or anything that's a bit dark like that, you've been unable to do it without comparing yourself to other people that you imagine feel worse than you. You know, you said, uh, yes. another way that other people say they're depressed or I'm anxious, but not in the way that other people might be anxious. And is there a, is there a way of you talking about your depressed periods without having to tell us that um you know it's not as bad as what other people mm, go well i bet someone else on the podcast has done it better though <laughs> you see that's a, that's a sort of a joke isn't it sounds really funny joke though um yeah of course it makes no sense to talk about it uh in the frame of reference of anyone else's but it's, it's just i think i'm cautious because i'm i know that other people have it worse but let's take that out of the equation and talk about me um well i think um what characterizes my uh worst depressed periods probably is a tendency to um exaggerate in my own mind how bad things are so if i have a if i uh have a bad gig i feel like the um worst comedian that there's ever been which is a reasonably common feeling i think but actually i suppose having done a bit of um time in therapy as well maybe what marks me out and why like a series of bad gigs or an unsuccessful book or something is more likely to make me depressed than somebody else it's the it's to do with patterns i tend to see patterns of failure where perhaps they shouldn't exist like if a book doesn't sell or if i fail to sell a script or something i'll think well of course because this other thing i did wasn't very good either and actually here are 18 examples of ways in which i failed And and that is the same with everything. When I look back at the, um, um, or, or when I was still um, married, and if, if there was a problem in the relationship, I would think, well, this is to be expected because I caused this other problem, and I've also never been able to do this. And so I suppose this is my like my what characterizes my depression is I inflate one or two things into gigantic story narratives, as therapists say, about how I am failing or as a person to come up to something what a healthier person does is um addresses each individual thing like an individual thing like oh, it's a shame i i lost that thing but um never mind that happens from time to time whereas i would if i left something on the train would think shit i've lost that phone charger well of course i have I, i'm always losing phone chargers actually i lose loads of stuff actually my general level of organization is shit actually i don't really have a place in the universe and basically i can get from um like i i ran this bath a bit too cold to i'm just a dog shit person in like about five like that game six weeks of separation i suppose um and so that and that's um i mean there've been of course depression's more complicated than that and i've the negative big bad periods i've had in my life have been for a variety of reasons but if you could say one thing about 
what about my mental state leads me to get depressed it is that it's that i i see one thing happen and believe that it indicates a pattern which is written all the way through my life stroke the universe and of course when you think like that as any therapist will tell you it becomes almost impossible for you to break those patterns because you start to believe you're just your life is happening to you start to feel like some character in a film that stuff always goes wrong for and that is something that i've tried very very hard to break out of in the past year or so and does it not it doesn't work the same way with positive stuff does it unfortunately not you win something and you go oh yeah i do tend to win quite a lot no unfortunately not i think it's what they call confirmation bias if you're a naturally uh negative person as I, i guess i am you you see proof of bad stuff everywhere but uh when a good thing happens you think oh well this time it worked out but it won't next time and again i'm always getting into trouble um with uh with my girlfriend for this uh like like if a, if a script doesn't get commissioned or one of the many knockbacks that you get in a job like this i'm like there you go another one that's like the eight times that's happened as it happens i've got quite a good statistical memory as well so i'll be able to accurately say exactly how many times the thing has happened um and then when the thing does come off when when you do get the good news or something my tendency is to go yeah, yeah but apart from that and uh, she'll go no that's that's an example of how there never was a pattern. There's just some good stuff and some bad stuff. But my brain instinctively puts all the bad stuff into a, like a mixtape of things you've done wrong in your life and allows the good things to, to seem like a fluke or an outlier, basically. And again, I even know that I'm doing that. And as soon as I began discussing it with therapists, I was it was clear to me how true it was that I do. I think even before discussing it, I knew I was doing it. I'm aware that I make... Um, huge generalizations and assumptions about life based on very very small things i think i mean if i have an excuse it's that as a writer if, and probably as a stand-up you, you your whole job is to see very specific things and work outwards into generalized things i write a book about if i write a book about um where all that happens is mostly just a bloke mowing his lawn still i'm trying to say stuff about what it's like to be human from that so as a, as a writer it's a good habit to, to see every single thing around you and think what does this tell us about the overall um rhythms of life but as a person it's a bad habit to be in <laughs> because a lot of because you will then convince yourself that life is imposing a rhythm on you which doesn't have to be there in fact that, that yeah that's the ultimate thing in a book you must try and show some sort of uh, reason to the universe in whatever way or some sort of pattern or some relation between human actions and outcomes because that's what books are or films or anything but actual life is more just total chaos life is just um just nuts all of us are just you know briefly just we're just a collection of cells clinging to this uh weirdly existing planet everyone knows that and yet we all act as if everything that happens to us is we we, we talked about this actually by text um i remember once when it was after the our fellow comedian sean hughes died and there was a obituary that came out that was very negative about quite a lot of aspects of his personality and it sat alongside other more generic glowing things about what great comedian he was and we were like isn't the best thing to learn from this that there isn't exactly such thing as a, a personality there is just a lot of stuff that happens to you and you have a lot of reactions to it. And over the course of your life, um, they form 
a person but at any point you are capable of not being that person if you, i think that a lot i often read obituaries or look back at someone's life and think i wonder if the, their life felt like this to them while they were living it uh, the answer is almost certainly not because nobody lives like a character in a book um doing the stuff you'd expect them to even the most orderly lives people do really weird stuff all the time as we know everyone knows stories about someone's jumped off a bridge after being like the most normal guy for 40 years um that's because there is nobody whose personality you can summarize that easily and i know that everyone knows that and yet you make statements about your own personality like i am bad at this or i'm always doing this which and that a statement like that makes no sense next to your knowledge that the universe is absolutely insane you even there's all these things like you exchange all your cells and your brain is constantly changing you we're all aware that our brain is an elastic thing that it changes with stimuli every day every minute so it makes no sense to think because i fucked this thing up five years ago i will again today and yet while knowing that i still do do that constantly how much of a connection is there between because you very quickly go into a very um intelligent logic um philosophical kind of <laughs> the upstairs of your brain the upstairs <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah you get that i'm going upstairs now when i've said something that is in english <laughs> uh, compared to your emotional state which and that's i say upstairs in your brain because i always i think all the emotions are in your stomach um which some uh, studies have proven that's there. great yeah uh, so the connection so when you're but sorry the, even in my brain is there an upstairs and a downstairs do I yeah, own a split level so, brain yeah I'm not sure where the downstairs of your brain is yeah yeah that's, that's what, that was going to be my question I'm not no sure what that it's is. just like memories or some other shit like yeah more senses maybe the, yeah the, col- the colours we don't need that bit how to yet. count to ten and stuff like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. alright um, yeah so the, uh, you, yeah you tend to go into the, the intellectual bit and trying to you know you even mentioned that you can go into the statistic bit and use that to fuel like the bad emotions, but how much are they connected? Like it's whether you can use your logic against yourself, but not for yourself. Yes, it is. It's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I I remember. I didn't mean to be like, yeah. So it sounds like your life. Is kind no, of but you're right. Out. I remember a therapist saying a very similar thing to me, and I think my response then as well was, "Yeah, it's a shame." And then the session kind of ended after that because. Um, <laughs> Once you start paying a therapist just to say, mm, this is a problem, and you go, it is, yeah, then you, you're not progressing. But you're right, and well, I think when he my, was right, and you were right when, now. When my therapist said it to me ages ago, um, her point was to say, listen, you have the intelligence to do this. If you choose not to use it that way, like it, it might be because you don't want it, like you don't think you deserve it, or you don't think you're worth yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think that, um, I mean, part of the problem is because I, and you're the same, if you're capable of talking um, intelligently and uh, coherently on any subject, people assume that is how your brain is as well. So I am ruled far more by emotion than logic or intellect. But again, because I'm the sort of person that likes to overthink things dissect things in a lot of detail because i'm a waffler basically and i sound like a a waffler someone who just talks way too much i'm not a waffle like a waffle like a buffalo that talks too much yeah yeah (laughs) being a waffle by uh that's my spirit animal um i can't oh shit 
the idea of a spirit animal is. Yeah, you can't see But it comes from numerous different traditions. It's not just... You think it's a Native American thing? Yeah, well, it's mainly... An, it's, it is... For, for some cultures, it's a very... Because, like, the Chinese um, have had a similar... It doesn't make it better. <laughs> no, but it's but it's not a it's not a, a cultural appropriation of one specific culture. No, it's just like a lot of different cultures. Yeah, but I'm not it's, sure that makes it better. I think it does in a way because no, once an idea is an amalgamation of different cultures, like anyway, that's a much bigger conversation. Yeah, just um, I mainly said to you because a lot of people tweet at me something about spirit spirit animals. I don't want to. Oh, fair say enough. It's I don't want individual wanna... people. Okay, so, so this, saying it's you, you you're making an like, example of me. I'm making an example uh, yeah, 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 okay. You, yeah. Shame on you for saying spirit animal. You're not allowed to. Anyways, if like very very quick digressions, this is interesting. You mm-hmm. haven't read the Philip Pullman books, then I suppose the like the, the was it a Twitter the, thread at any point? It would have been really long. It, it was after Twitter. It was before Twitter, but also. I don't know. Um, he just he couldn't have done it in tweets because it was really really long. What was the one? Sorry. Uh, all these books like Northern Lights and the, this his Dark Materials trilogy. Um, oh, it's famous. No. But like I, I once dated a guy whose uh, Edinburgh poster was a ribbon of the Dark Materials. Yeah, see, I, I it's not. So I don't know if that counts. Um, it's not the sort of thing I normally read, but I, um, I did read it when I was. Anyway, my point was in that there's a thing where everyone has an animal that walks around with them, mm. and it is essentially their soul. I think and it, it takes on different uh, animal forms depending on their mood and their feelings at the time, if mm. I remember rightly. And it's called a demon, spelt the old-fashioned way, um, like D A E M O N, because oh, this is like demon. Demon, it's like probably yeah. So is um, that idea in that book cultural appropriation, or is it merely just referring to something as a spirit animal? Is that the problem because yes. it because you're borrowing a term which yes. you don't use, which don't means have. a lot to some cultures? Okay, fine. And so it in that case, mean the same to us. Fine, I get that because I wouldn't have even I didn't even need to say spirit animal there. I, I just happened to use the phrase. So no, yeah, I've never heard you say it before. No, it's I'm not. A, it's not really a thing for me. Well, I had because I didn't know what waffalo was a thing until like <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself when doing a podcast like this. Um, yeah, I think the original thing I was going to say was because I seem like I um, dissect things logically out loud, people don't know how much of my brain is just chaos and screaming and like it, just this blast of emotion the whole time. So the whole time? Well, not the whole time, but my interior monologue is much more emotional and frenzied than the way I talk out loud, unless you are very close to me and you get to hear all of the... All the negatives and the highs. My, I, I person of, I'm a person of extreme highs and lows. I remember, as t- no, probably Minchin has never done this, has he? This podcast. I know. He, it would be um, interesting, I think, because uh, he's not exactly a, well, not in any way really a mentor to me, but he's someone that I have been influenced by quite heavily. Um, not not in work, in life, and um, I remember him saying to me, I. Just, try and keep on quite an even keel really like never get too excited about anything never get too upset about anything and it was a very simple piece of advice from him in terms of how I could just get less depressed at the time I was mostly down so it was really good it was a sensible piece of advice but like as as we both got older I came to realize that that was a temperamental thing about him which would be almost impossible for me to replicate like I just don't think I can be less happy about things or less uh, miserable about other things i think his not emotional register because his emotional intelligence level is stupendously high but but the emotions that his brain automatically chooses come from a probably a less wide palette than mine do and once you know that about yourself i think like i don't even think it's a negative thing i wouldn't be much of a 
right well, actually he is some you meet infuriating people who have access to enough emotion to make great art but they don't have it in their own life. but i can't imagine being doing the stuff i do unless i had access to quite extreme versions of high and low so i don't even mind that about myself but letting those emotions make almost all the decisions for you or, or, or govern all of your reactions ahead of logic that problem that is a problem and as you say like your therapist said it is it suggests that you won't let yourself um think things through yeah. more rationally because you, for whatever reason a lot of people people who have not liked me in my life have said that it's because i enjoy the drama i enjoy wallowing in misery um and I accept, I know why I seem like that because if you regularly express negative points of view and catastrophizing, as they call it, people will think that's what he does. He's a drama queen is the word that people use about it, which I, as I've told you before, I hate as a label. I hate it applied to me. I don't like it applied to like anyone who uses one emoji with a tear on it upwards. But um, I try to customize that example to you like, rather than talking about <laughs> an opera or something. Um, but still um so it's not it's not true that i that i make a big kind of uh like a paint patterns of emotional negative drama because i like it because nobody enjoys being miserable and it's not almost not possible to do it i don't think uh, anyone enjoys it but i think um people if it's the only thing you someone knows it does feel safer than yes that's yeah it becomes one of the main ways you know how to relate to the world it becomes a habit and as you say as we've said a few times habits are comforting if it, your negativity can become your comfort zone and that is definitely something that has been true about me and that's really all people are saying when they're saying oh he's just enjoying the drama of it it's just there are two very different ways of phrasing it yeah it's a way of saying there's a way he knows how to function yes when things get too much that's the go-to way if you said to or about a depressed person you have become so accustomed to thinking in this way that you kind of like it because it's how you you understand the world. That would be way better than saying, "Well, you, of course you love a drama. This is your thing." But, I remember but the second out, way is remember, the way people normally express it. Though. Yeah, I remember coming out of my depression thinking, um, like I remember being happy, like in little glimpses. Yeah, and it was it was uncomfortable. Yeah, you don't trust yourself it was unco- to know yeah. how to do it. Being happy and, is such a scary. Big, risky. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's a vulnerable position yeah. to put yourself in. Like being ha- miserable ha- carries off your risks emotionally. In yeah, a lot of I way. think happiness is like when you've come, if you walk down the stairs, and then, well, what do you do? Oh, you're down the stairs. Great, but at some point you have to go back up. And <laughs> that's miserable. There you so go. So when you're at the edge of the stair, the up, when you're at um. The top of the stairs, and you're like, it's horrible because I've just gone up all these stairs. At least you already At know, least you know that, that you the are only there. Way is yeah, yeah, I mean, I understand that. Down. In fact, when I was, I mean, well, this is slightly different, but um, yeah, because you used it as the top of the stairs is the bad bit. Yeah, it became more confusing to visualize what you meant. Than, but we, yeah. knew, we both knew you what you meant. You have to have a very yeah. specifically low um, energy level and physical <laughs> yeah. activity level to, for, for to this really to work. Understand. Yeah, or you have to live in a house where, for some reason, there's something awful upstairs. Yes. So, so for people listening that <laughs> hate just one bit of their house, this is, <laughs> this is a perfect analogy. Um, this is semi-related. When I was, a, my mum tells it as an anecdote about um, the, the about sort of. Um, my, this about my t- tendency towards negativity when I was a um, kid I was on a climbing frame once 
and not very high up. And I said, uh, what's the point of climbing to the top there if I'm only going to have to come down? And, um, well, in fact, my mum, being a mum, tells it as an example of kind of, I was obviously a genius. I had already seen the futility of, of things <laughs> that other kids were throwing themselves into. The same way she tells every anecdote, like, to prove that she was right about me being one of, like, the most important person ever on earth. But, of course... You can also see the anecdote as the mark of someone that's going to have some problems in life. Because yeah, well, most my, kids don't look at a climbing frame and think, this is, this is too much for me. What are the consequences? It's a funny one. It's like my grandmother always said, like, um, oh, you were such a quiet kid. You were yeah. so easy. You were so quiet. And then I'd said that to my therapist and she was like, that's fucking terrifying. Yes, you were, you were being congratulated for not expressing yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're not meant to be a, you're a child. You're meant to be fucking... Yeah, quiet. lots of kids get get praised for how quietly they sit and never say anything and those would be people that have some sort of problem rather when they're older for sure yeah so when uh when it gets when was the last time it was really really bad um probably well i mean i had a very difficult time around christmas as you know but that wasn't really that was to do with specific circumstances i don't think it really counts um like so the last time i remember feeling real misery and despair was then but I, it wasn't a despair with no end I think depression is when you can't even visualize a better state of being I think I think that's how it would or it's a good way of defining it is because they always say that depressed people lose interest in and like you're asked to predict things even a few weeks away and like, I don't know I don't, like it's because you, you find it so difficult to formulate other better words if you're depressed. I've been that way myself Although this is where one way it's handy to be a football fan, like even in the state of extreme negativity, I'll always at least be like, "But I wonder who's going to win the World Cup." For example, mm-hmm. like being into a sport does give you a sense of um, it won't cure depression, by the way. But um, having a thing like that, well, it would be the same if you were into Game of Thrones, maybe, but really desperately into it. Like if you have a thing that you're obsessed with that you don't know how it's going to play out, that is quite handy. Um, because one of the worst things about depression is being unable to focus on a thing. I'm, I'm not for a minute suggesting that if you start watching sport, uh, you'll feel better. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, the worst, the, the, the last time I remember feeling depressed as a kind of difficult to say actually, because uh, like as a kind of just given state, I, I would have to say probably like it's, it's probably before I knew you, really. So at least you're saying I cure depression. Y- yeah, you and football. I think we've said. Me and football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> no, football was always there, so it has to be you. Yeah, right? it's me, it's, yeah. solely me. Um, how ba- how bad was the worst? Like, how bad does it? Well, I mean, how this is going to sound? I'm only as I know it's a, like incredibly private question, and there's a it's always difficult doing these with people who are actual friends. But so you're not you don't have to answer is what I'm trying to say. Um, like, how close uh, have we been to you not being here? Uh, oh, close, and quite a number of times. But um, what's difficult, it's not that I find it difficult to talk about, as in because it's too personal. It's more that when you are happy, it's very, very difficult to put yourself back in the mental state that was like that. And I don't think I really want you to go back. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to go back there just for a podcast, even a really good podcast, yeah. Um so I or can I rephrase? So I suppose look, what, I'm, what I mean. Yeah. So when I say I've thought about killing myself on a few occasions, that is true. But it's difficult for now at me to know how much I meant it as then mm. me, and I think it would be for anyone. Yeah. Because killing yourself does not make any rational sense if you are 
um, anything other than depressed. So it's extremely difficult to go between those two states. As you say, it should be difficult, this whole point. So yeah, re- maybe, were you going to re- rephrase the question? I was, well, the way I was going to rephrase it was to try and give it a more, I guess, a positive twist, which I know is very unlike you. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's, instinctively I like more, that idea, but you I can give it a okay, go. So this is what I mean. You come across as, as you said, like nervous and anxious and... Um, you know, you kind of uh, when you talk about your darkness in inverted commas. Uh, yeah, we call them uh, air quotes. <laughs> this is going to be a two-part. Oh, hang on, this is a separate podcast now, week. isn't it? Yeah. Damn it! I thought it was a great callback, but it I was pointless. Call, it was a callback. Anyway. Yeah. Um, when you talk about your darkness, a lot of people will hopefully. It would be sad I'll if be, someone listened to the first half and then thought, "Well, that's enough of him." Um, so when you talk about your darkness, uh, you you know you do the, you did the thing of comparing it to other people's darkness and da da da. Um, you know, you you there might be some issues with your self worth, and but like, if you've been you have okay. <laughs> if you've been close if you've been close to suicide a few times, also you've gone to a fucking island like you've decided to go to the island. Like, do you ever allow yourself to acknowledge how? Like fucking strong, you must be. No, not I don't see it that way, really, because I think that um, the something like the island was um, hard, but and it, I, really exhausting and grueling, and but still, um, my job is to like a, is to be on TV, and that was for entertainment for people's entertainment. So I naturally, like, I suppose what I'm saying is. That, even a really hard TV show is, just, is still a that's still a privilege. You're like, oh, I remember how yeah, hard my life was for four no, weeks. We, for, and this like, is not very unlike me. Let's not talk about privilege at all. <laughs> wow, I just did that so I could make you say that for the first time. <laughs> because that's again you comparing yourself. No, I know. Okay, because that's what privilege is. You talk about you and that's what okay. I, fine, the, leaving privilege out of it. I don't believe that it took a certain type of strength for me to do that. Uh, especially the, the lightning and all the, the, the phobia that I had to overcome, but I don't think that's the same type of strength as as I would respect in another person. I don't know. Difficult because if I heard somebody else had um, taught themselves out doing terrible things to themselves and was now living functionally, then yes, I would say they were strong. But I'd, all right, I, yeah, I acknowledge that I have shown a certain amount of strength in. Um, in carrying on what has become quite and now is a happy functional successful reasonably successful life still with problems like everyone but to to get from where i have been to this has taken a certain amount of strength yes but more it's taken the support of other people which um i suppose ties a bit into what we said last time it's it's, i've been more lucky or than i have strong i think and also I suppose I feel like most of my problems were self-inflicted in the first place. So oh, that's such a clever way of getting out of it. it but it wasn't intended like that. It's no, true. I know. But that's a clever thing for your brain to go. Well, yeah, I could get out of it, but I, I made it happen. Yeah, like instead a fi- of just going, that doesn't matter. It doesn't get, fucking matter where I came from. Like start making myself feel worthless, and then Wait, persuading you can myself make like, yourself feel worthless. But that's how no it, one makes oneself feel worthless. It hmm. comes from some either chemicals or something traumatic yeah but even like if you look at my life it's it's because of the support from other people when it's bad it's you made yourself miserable no all right when i'm when it's good it's partly because of me 
and when it's bad, it's partly because of me. That's that's the sensible way of looking at it. But I I think I'd say that um, I've done well, definitely, to address some of the things that were um, that were damaging me, and that does take some strength. Yeah, but I, I this is you've done this to me. I keep nearly saying like compared with what other people go through all these things mm. purely because you've forced me to mm. cite my own privilege in the context of a of a world which is all like really good and everything but it makes it almost impossible to answer a question <laughs> <laughs> everything i say is so conditional no, I think you now i've done it anyways i think you would have kept taking other people into it anyway i always had the tendency i've always been reasonably good at seeing myself in the context of a wider world it's just you've given me a different vocabulary and more of a consciousness of it but um and of course, my problems were real. It wasn't all just a, um, a pose or something. Most of the times that I was doing, that I, the times that I contemplated doing something bad or threatened to even, were not some attempt to get attention or have barely told anyone for a start. Um, so it's not that they thought the, those things weren't real. And, and so obviously it did take a certain strength of character to, to beat them. Yeah, I accept that. <laughs> so you well, but you do accept it. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Now, while I have you being really vulnerable, oh. do you want to do a podcast with me? Please do a podcast with me. That's what this is, isn't it? Oh, you mean a podcast <laughs> no, that we yeah, do? Yeah, I want to do it. Yeah. Because I, I put it up somewhere on social media and a lot of people said they wanted to listen to it. Well, yeah, with you, I can't imagine it. But the reason I've, You can't imagine no, it? No, I can. Oh. Like, which, <laughs> such a hard rejection. I will, but not with you. <laughs> no, actually, I, can, I find it easier to imagine with you than... Because... Um, I think it's time for you to have a podcast. Well, the reason I haven't done it before... I think the world wants a Mark Watson. Listen, if the world is, is hungry for a Mark Watson podcast, then... Uh, with Sophie Hagen. With, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if the world is specifically asking for us to do this. You know what's, like... Um, the main reason I haven't done it, really, is just that... Because you can barely use emojis. Okay, there are two There are two reasons. <laughs> Firstly, I, I, I struggle to update my own Instagram feed... Um, so, like, technically, the, the, the task doesn't appeal to me. But, of course, you can get producers and stuff. That's not the main reason. The main reason is um, that, as you know, in comedy, every comedian thinks, really, I should have a podcast. And every comedian's agent says, you know, a podcast would be a good idea. And I've either been in or listened to so many podcasts that are nothing but people uh, just talking back and forth, which is what this is, of course. But <laughs> you have an agenda and you also have unusual people. And there are loads. Of, so essentially, I've never felt like there was a compelling thing that I had to say to the world that, that should be in podcast form. If we if we can um, think of one and if enough people would listen. Then, yeah. What, what I've never wanted is a podcast where it's just me and my mate just meeting up and talking about stuff. Because an extraordinary amount of podcasts that I've listened to are just... Just like if you were listening to the radio, but there were never any songs. And um, that's not the sort of radio I like. <laughs> but of course, I know that there are great podcasts. I just, on occasion, I would need a subject that I was addressing or... But again, you're or, comparing or, it to other podcasts. Oh, but I think in this case, it's not... It's not um, it's, but you've taught me that it's not healthy to compare the your uh, emotions to other people's. But I think it is, it is with podcasts. <laughs> no, it's not, because it's free... Well, it's more or less... No, it's not. It... No, but it's easy well, to make them. You're allowed to make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can but, never have too many podcasts. Well, because there there, hmm. there will be someone out there who for whom the podcasts, the other podcasts, they won't like them. Is that for that them. is true? You shouldn't so ever creating something that only 
that's a certain type of person. That's true. You, I don't really believe you can have too many books either. Mm. Uh, but, uh, well, I sp- mm, yeah, interesting. You, you are right, You're of course. Starting, the- but- that's what I hear. Oh, okay. Sorry. We're starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. You're right. That I may, In that case, why don't we say that it's actually about a vanity? I, I, wouldn't ah, do a, I wouldn't do a podcast unless I thought that it was going to be better than a lot of ones out there. Oh. Not because it's not... Oh, that's not part of your plan. Oh, no, no, no. no. So you want us to make, make a shit one? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just make one. That's no, probably what good. I mean. Not like okay. the world doesn't need this podcast because you're right. It doesn't matter how many podcasts yeah. the world has more. Well... If I'm not going to do something that I would think is good and other people admire, then I won't. Okay. You know, that would probably be it. Okay. But of We'll course, think of a good thing, and then if people would listen, then it okay. becomes good. Fine. We'll do it. And of course, I've written books I don't think are that good. It's not like you shouldn't ever do anything in case, it's, in case it fails. So yeah, all right, we'll do, all right, we'll do a podcast. Yes. Fine. Um, so, and maybe I'll even have an idea for it, and you'll, you'll I'm, yes, I'm add to it and stuff yes. like that. We'll, we'll collectively have an idea yes. for a podcast that's really good. So people should tweet... Both of us, well, mostly yeah. Mac Watson, and tell him to do. So this is a good idea because I'm very much on board already. Yeah, but if they tweet both of us together, then maybe that oh, yeah, will enhance better. the idea that this is what people want. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I just think we need to figure out if people would listen. They would. Um, yours is one of the most listened to episodes of my podcast. Be so the first one was, but we don't know yet we whether don't know that yet. pattern. Yeah. <laughs> See if we can find a porn. If you never bring title. this podcasting up again, I'll know oh, that it's it, it because it's my numbers pattern. have dropped off really badly. Yeah. So so. So there's two titles. Uh, I, yeah. Well, we I mean, Suicide is quite a biggie, eh? Suicide's a biggie. So that yes. one... Um, <laughs> That's I a mean, title. Suicide's I, um, a biggie. I, I suppose, yeah. I think I, sh- I should I should say that if I... C- I don't want to use your podcast to like... No, um, please do. Go on. Like, I don't believe that I have anything to say to kind of dissuade anyone from taking this sort of drastic action because everybody's life is different. But I, I would say that... Um, that every time I've been very, very um, close to doing something bad, I have, I've managed to always say to myself, and it's not easy to do when you're not thinking logically, but I've always thought to myself, you don't know how things are going to be in five years' time. And if you can see even the slimmest chance that things could be way better, then, or even slightly better, then you, you owe it to these sort of possible future versions of yourself. And the version of myself and my life that exists now are like comparatively so good that in 2012 I would have been amazed and happy so I am not saying this uh, so that anyone can necessarily use it because it is not always possible but if it is possible if you are desperate and it is ever possible to think to yourself is there a future version of myself that could exist that would look back on this and be like wow I've come a long way then if you can't even imagine that then you should you, sh- you are fine you will be fine yeah because I would be really happy if I could if I could have watched my day today or my week um, from 2012 or even like 2014, if I could watch it on some sort of illegal feed that you probably know about where you see your life in three years' time, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, there's still, there still a lot of difficult stuff, but this is way better. And um, people have extreme situations that make progress impossible, but life theoretically can always be better. And if you if you... Well, no, not theoretically. Your life can always be just because of nothing else. The universe is, as we've said, nuts. So anything can change. So that's that's the one thing I would say that I've learned. Um, and that's why if I was ever to contemplate anything awful again... Quite, of course, the other reason my kids... Once you have kids, you do see the question differently. I um, 
I have an enormous sense of responsibility that I didn't used to have. But even even leave that aside, um, if um, if you can ever admit to yourself that it is possible um, that one day your life would be better, because now, yeah, if I was ever in that situation again, which I hope I never will be, even if I forgot all about my responsibilities and everything, I would have to admit to myself at least your life was way better at one point than it was before that. So logically, it can be better again. And I reckon anyone could accept that as the truth if they were able to. And I, I bring it up because you've talked about how emotions often lead logic. And if you're too emotional, you can't think like that. And that's why I'm trying to say it and put it down. I've never said any of this out loud before, but it's, it is true logically. Maybe I'll listen back to this if I ever have to, but I won't have to. I said your sound clip you can play. Would you? Yeah, yes. thank, thank you. I mean, hopefully I'll still know you, but... I didn't think, like... <laughs> yeah. um, you've already answered the question I was asked at the end. And we have to end because we have a goulash in the oven. Yeah, damn right we wink, do. Wink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We mentioned this in the previous one. And it, oh, yeah. it doesn't sound any less yeah. dodgy now, but yeah, we do. So, so we, we've, we've, got listened, a, we've had a we've goulash, got a serious in, the goulash a in the oven. Yeah. Um, but you've already answered the baby oh, I think question. about the flavours of it by now, by oh, the way. I'm, I'm imagining the meat. It's been marinating for so long mm, now. Jeez. Um, anyway. So yes, the baby question came up first time, right? You've already answered that, but yeah. I have a new question. Right. You can answer instead. And um, you may already know the backstory from this. Uh, I love this question. I came up with it uh, when I was 13 years old. Is it Westlife related? It was at the time, because I asked it to Westlife. Right. It was, well, I've, see, I've watched that interview. I don't think they kept this in the recording. <laughs> I see. Oh, did they? Anyways. The question, they answered it badly, so no pressure. But the question is, and this is based on the fact that you, um, you've you known uh, you've known this uh, podcast was going to happen for a few days now, maybe even a week, um, so you must have had some kind of thoughts about it. So the question is, what would you like for me to ask you? God, that's a real... Um... It's good, isn't it? The look on your face. You're just so pleased with yourself. <laughs> like, so good, isn't it? What would I most like to be asked? Yeah. Do you then ask it and I answer it? Or is it just purely the the answer is in answer? So far, people have tended to say the question and, and then, then answer it automatically. Answer it. I suppose yeah. that's how it works, which is why it's such an ingenious question by you. Yeah. Hmm. I suppose... Um, you didn't have to think about the podcast, but just what you feel like answering. Oh, I see. If it, it was, could be anything. If it's just life. It could be absolutely anything. Like, there could be something on your mind that you were like, oh, fuck, I hope I get to talk about that for a bit, hmm. or... Well, I suppose... Like been missing, or... Not a lot's been missing, because we over two episodes we've covered, like, cooking, suicide, uh, politics, emotions... A little bit of stuff about animals that you may or may not use, climbing, climbing frames. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose. Um, I, I suppose, in keeping with everything I've said, which has been largely positive. Um, my yeah yeah the answer is: Are you happy? That's a question which people could do with asking each other a bit more often. Um, and I because I think. As everyone knows, if you ask, are you happy? Most people will go, "I yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. British people are all constantly saying, I'm fine, famously. It's because are you happy is a nearly impossible question to answer. 
because you just have emotions in the moment generally as we know but but i think are you happy is a good question to ask anybody and um because my answer would be broadly i am like i as, as i've said now a number of times over the over the two podcasts i while while there are still quite big problems that i have to and there are things i have to put right things that i've done to other people that it's lovely but lots of stuff that, like i'm not just floating around on a cloud but um materially i am happier and more conscious of looking up and being more positive than i was um when i first met you even and it's quite rare that you can just express that you don't perhaps unluckily you don't often take time to just say this has been a good day i'm feeling happy um so a podcast seems an ideal opportunity to say that. And being with you is a nice opportunity to say it because um, you know me very well and you have enough invested in me that um, it makes, me, it makes you pleased that I'm happy. Yeah, very much. And you're part of it yourself, of course. I'm the Because you've yeah. already noticed that you, you overlap with the period. <laughs> where I've started. So, uh, Without so, me, you'd be fucking miserable. That's... What you can reasonably infer from everything we've said, yeah. Magic. That's the patterns I see. So that would be um, that'd be my favourite question to be asked. Yeah, and I, as I say, I also think it's kind of a good question to ask people. Um, you can't always do it. Like quite a lot of the time, it depends on your relationship with someone. You shouldn't just say, "Are you happy?" When someone's like, if a waiter is serving you or something. Or, <laughs> but or, or if someone's very, very, very clearly not happy. Yeah, you shouldn't. That'd be quite provocative. Yeah, you shouldn't do it if. Um, you're trying to deal with a very specific thing of them being unhappy. In fact, there are lots, loads of times you shouldn't say, are you happy? But a podcast is maybe one where you can, and we have. I might, uh, well, I can't steal it because still goes with asks people in his podcast, but I'm happy that I got you to say it so I didn't have to steal it from him. Oh, hang on. He, that, that's a question he always asks people. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if well, that's that. a shame. It's a shame I gave you an answer, which is just a question no. from someone else's podcast. No, no, it's good. Because no, I could never have asked you. I guess not, no. Then I would have just stolen his podcast. Yeah. So there you go. So my <laughs> favourite answer is stolen from Stuart Goldsmith. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what do you want to plug? Where could people find you? Where could people oh, that, listen, that to, feels... listen to our new podcast? And then we'll have someone edit in the new the name of the podcast we're about to do. Oh, I see, yeah. But then well, all, the, all your well, books or whatever. I, what about if I just purely plug my social media? Because yeah. the thing I'm shit at is that. Yes. So, and like, you're really you're good on Instagram. When you do do Instagram, you're good. I at do it like once a month or something. Yeah. I feel like I never see anything that's. But that you, your whole point is that it's not about I've that. Sent it's so just many about screenshots like, of like push this button now. Like, I know, I know. Red I don't even know how you draw that. circles around pictures. <laughs> I um, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know almost everything that you do on phones and computers. I don't understand what you're doing. Um, all right, so let. Because your audience are all people who can do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So Watson Comedian on Twitter, mm-hmm. Watson Comedian on Instagram, and then I've got a Facebook fan page or whatever you call it. And But I, what stops me from keeping up all of these things is a feeling that um, I'm just, like, that it's embarrassing when I do it because I'm not very good at it or something. So anyway, in keeping with the whole theme of these podcasts, if I aggressively back my social media here to an audience of people who are all doing oh, that stuff yeah. themselves. especially my Instagram as it's only about I did do a few for this run that I did but it, that's, I've seen people do that and I wanted to raise money but in general if it's just is this worth an Instagram I'll only ever say yes about once every three weeks and I'm aware that it's a slightly more immediate I think people thing should, than that people should follow you on Instagram and then I think get on my Instagram in particular because then, then I'll be motivated to do it Instagram. 
Yeah. I think people should like. Because <laughs> I've done some nice, I've done some nice pictures on Instagram. Yeah, you say, you're it's, shirtless in not... one of them. You put up nudes and everything. Oh, you, yeah. There's absolute filth on my Instagram. Yeah, porn even. So, um, Thank you. And you've got more. I have more Twitter followers. You have far more Instagram followers. Yes. Um, so if if we can make this so bit I'm pretty and you, yeah, you but, have all the words in you. Precisely. Yeah. So um, like let's give a bit of a a boost to me less yeah. pretty and to you less intelligent and yes. like <laughs> let's put our resources together yeah let's do it don't pay no attention to my books or anything else I've got out there just follow me on Instagram if this doesn't work I don't know what will <laughs> thank you so much for doing this Mike thank you let's get the goulash let's go get the goulash wink thank you so much for listening and thank you to Mac for doing this Um, one of my favourite things about you guys as my listeners is that what you tend to do is you tend to go to Twitter and um, Instagram and tell the people who've done the podcast how wonderful they were and I love that you do that it is my favorite thing for you to do it means so much because it means that my guests uh, message me and they say oh my god the listeners have been so lovely and they've been tweeting me and and that's so that reflects so well onto me (laughs) so thank you for doing that uh, I do. I know it sounds like I'm just sucking up to you, but I do genuinely believe that I have the best listenership of any podcast in the world ever, because you're so so nice, and I love that so so much. So thank you, thank you for all the retweeting and the five stars on iTunes and all the things, because it does really matter. I couldn't be doing any of this if if you didn't help me out, um, and that means financially as well. On mopad.com, m o h p o d. You can either donate like a one-off donation or you can become a patron. Now, Patreon is my favorite thing because what you, oh, it's so easy for you. You go to patreon.com forward slash Mopad, M-O-H-P-O-D. You choose what amount you want to give per episode. Say you want to give $5 per episode. You can put like a, a ceiling on that so I don't suddenly release a thousand episodes and go to live in Cuba forever. Don't worry. Um, but then it's usually once every week, so it'll be a maximum for worst case five, I think. Well, best case offs um, <laughs> a month. So, uh, so say you give five dollars per episode at the end of the month. Patreon uh, just you put in your card number and they just take them automatically, so you never have to think about it again. You will just be a supporter of the Mopad, and ah, oh, it's the best. And if you give more than five dollars or more per episode, you become what I just unoriginally called a friend of the podcast uh meaning that i'm going to read your name out loud at the end of each episode also meaning that if i've said your name a few times i will remember your name forever like i'm pretty sure i can be on my deathbed uh when i'm 80 and someone will say remember kathy draxelbauer and i'll be like yes kathy draxelbauer robert knowles eve wingworth because i've said it so many times um and I've met Kathy Draxelbauer and I was like, it's you from the internet. <laughs> uh, so it means the world to me because we're a little, I feel like we're a little family and um, all the support means that I don't have to. And there's no middleman, there's no one deciding what to do or who to chat to. So uh, it means the world to me if uh, you want to contribute because then you'll be like one of these uh, legends. Uh, the legends that I want to thank this week um, as I'm recording this are the supporters who are Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingworth, Marnie Biles, Phil Vabalus, Katrina Engelson, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Laws, Daniel Rowley, Ronya Ronya, Robert Lee Can, Phil Sumner, Kat Posse, Nancy Gristel, Ragdoll, Taylor Marshall, Nina Collingwood, Camilla Overall, uh, Jessica, Sheena Robinson, George Mk, 
Jane Mahoney, Mansell Mir, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Josie, Lily, Rob Crossland, Harry Minnett, Cecil Fjeldsun, Rachel Hemsley, Hemsley Maury Fraser, Lucy, Eileen Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davison, Pody Patterson, Steph Reams, Ruth Harvey, Katie Hatfield, Robin Cabell, Karen Featherway, Russell Hughes, Ida Circle Larsen, Inger Ellingsen, Caleb Melchior, Dr. Botocycle, you can choose your own name, have fun, <laughs> um, Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Grace Suter, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferrero, Iggesith, and Daniel Reifersheed. Lovely. This is so good. Thank you so much for letting me do this. Thank you to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there, and to Mark Watson for being a cool friend. Uh, I will speak to you next week. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>